we thank you for this morning, God, for each one who's here. will be with us throughout the service this morning during our time of fellowship afterwards, God. For those who aren't able to be here, Lord, we ask that you would be with them where they are this morning. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So this morning we're going to look at Matthew 5, 38 through 42. And this is just, it's, we're still talking about personal relationships. And um, old he's using the Old Testament. That's why in my Bible, maybe in yours, when something's capitalized, that means it goes back to the Old Testament. You can actually find it there. So he says this, Jesus says, You have heard that it was said, <clears throat> an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist an evil person, but whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. If anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, let him have your coat also. Whoever forces you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks of you, and do not turn away from him who wants to borrow from you. Now, we've got to remember, everything that we've learned, Jesus is taking everything from the physical to the spiritual, right? That, I mean, that's everything so far is with adultery, all those things. It's sin in your heart. This is He's talking about spiritual things. Now, he's also talking about physical things, but we have to think about this in the spirit, and we have to use common sense as we go about it. So in John 17, 13, I'm going to read that first. We're going to read four verses, and as we understand what he's saying, we need to look through the through these the lens of these verses. In uh, in John 17:13 through 19, it says the world will hate you. That's what we know. You got You have to know that. But now I come to you in these things I speak in the world, so that they may have my joy made full in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. So that's the first thing we need to look at. You you are supposed to be, we don't go about trying to anger people, but if you're really who you say you are, you make people mad. And it's not you, it's the Jesus that's in you, because Jesus said he came to do what? Make everybody best friends? No, he said, I came to bring a sword. And that sword will divide mother and father, and it'll divide the son and the mother and the son and the daughter-in-law, everybody, whoever it is. And it generally starts where? In your house. That's where the first separation is going to be. So the world is going to hate you. That's That sounds terrible, but it's it's just a reality. 2 Timothy 3 and 12. <clears throat> we find more instruction. You will be persecuted. And this is as, as blatant and, and in your face as you can find a verse. 2 Timothy 3 and 12. It didn't mix a bit of words. Paul was all hard. He had a hard time. He really did. 3 and 12 says this. It says, indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Did you hear that? If you plan to live your life according to the word of God, you will be persecuted. What does that look like? Thankfully, in America, it doesn't look like you're killed. Persecution is different in America. Very different. Okay. Some of it is what people say about you. It's how they feel about you. It's how they slander you. Right? That's the type of persecution that you and I endure here. Now, right now, there's people that are enduring persecution and they're being killed every day. That's what it says. People are martyred every single day for this reason. Romans 12 and 18. So it could always be worse. I mean, I'm, I'm one of those that I know things are not ideal, but it really can always be worse. Romans 12 and 18 tells us this. If possible, so far as depends on you, be at peace with all men. Okay, so does that mean that we're always going to be at peace with all people? No. And Paul is saying that. He's given us a provision. As much as is within you, 
Don't fight other people. Don't backtalk other people. It's kind of like whenever we were working yesterday, I think Chandler is the one who told Ethan, and I told him the same thing. Don't speak. Whenever, whenever a McNeely elder tells you to do something, there's two things. It's either yes, sir, or no, sir. That's it. Because you explaining it's not going to change anything. They're still going to holler the same thing at you. And you just say, yes, sir. You're already doing it. Like you're literally already doing what they ask you to. Well, that's the same way here. It's just, a re it's just the reality of it. And so try to be peaceful with all people. Don't try to make somebody mad. If you know someone's a sinner, you don't go right in their face. And that's what you do is just rub it in their face. That's Try to live peaceably with people. That means whenever you have a problem with someone, like we had a problem a while back with the fence behind Mama's house. That was a peaceable solution to that. Did I feel like I should have been peaceable? No. But you know what? I run into him now. Yesterday, went and borrowed something, needed something. He gave it to us. Uh, we, we have to try to get along with other people because the world doesn't know how to act right. That's just a reality. Hebrews chapter 5 is the last part. And this is, this is part that it's on every single one of us. There, God is sovereign. But guys, we have a responsibility, especially if you claim to be a saved person. Because he's talking to him and he says, but solid food is for the mature who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. If you can't tell the difference between good and evil, this says that you're on milk. Like at a time, and that's what he was, he was really chastising them because he told them at a time when you should be teaching other Christians and living a Christian life before other people, I really need to teach you the things that I taught kids in Sunday school because you're a babe in Christ. We all start out that way. But we don't stay that way. If um, if by the time a, a child is 18 or 19, they're not talking, hopefully somewhere about 15, 16 years back, you were trying to figure out why that kid never talked. Right? It's the same way in our spiritual life. If you're not growing, what are you doing? You're supposed to grow and mature. So we all of that to say this, Matthew 5 and 38, the first verse. We're going to go back to it and look at it. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Right. That's that's Old Testament. And we're going to read the actual verses from the Old Testament. But the thing is, I want you to notice. I want you to notice who decides these things. It's not you. The eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Charlie Daniels sings a song and it's I like the song. I agree with it. But I know that his theology is wrong because he says the good book says and I know it's the truth. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. You better watch where you go and remember where you've been. That's the way I see it. I'm a simple man. I agree with that. Everything he says in that song, I agree with. But an eye for an eye and a tooth for tooth is not what people think it is. So let's look at Exodus um, 21, 22 through 27. He says, If men struggle with each other and strike a woman with child so that she gives birth prematurely, yet there is no injury, he shall be fined as the woman's husband may demand on him, and he shall pay as the judges decide. So the beginning of this verse is about two men that are fighting. They hit a pregnant woman, and it causes her to have a premature birth. All right. So it says, but if there is any further injury, then you shall appoint as a penalty life for life. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, and bruise for bruise. Who decided that? It says the judges did. It didn't say you get to. That's the whole thing is this verse right here has absolutely nothing to do with you as a personal human being. Nothing. It's the judges. It's the same way it is today. Why do we have a court system? Because vengeance is not supposed to be mine. 
Okay? But God also, at the same time, he does want us to use common sense, right? So you're saying that if, okay, if I have a child and the person that's babysitting this child rapes that child, right? That's terrible. I want to kill that person. That's the average. That's what the normal person would want to do. But the person comes to you and asks for forgiveness. The, the word says you have to forgive them. But then they say, well, can I have my job back? <laughs> of course not. That's not what he's saying. He, he's not saying, well, forgive and forget, and you just, no, there's, it's called common sense. Right? So, then we move on to Leviticus 24, 17. And there's something, I, I know Levi, he's trained in all this stuff, and I know Scott knows about it too, but y'all know what the, the use of force continuum is. It's just basically, I can use force equal to or just a hair above the force that's against me. If somebody slaps me in the face, I can't pull out a gun and shoot them. That's against the law. Someone's shooting at me, according to the law, I can shoot back. So let's look at it in 24. 17 through 23 tells us this. If a man takes the life of any human being, he shall surely be put to death. How do we know that the death penalty is just before God? God wrote that. That's God's word. The one who takes the life of an animal shall make it good, life for life. So you can't kill a man because he kills an animal. He has to give that animal back. If he has it or he has to pay for restitution. If a man injures his neighbor, just as he has done, so it shall be done to him. Fracture for fracture, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, just as he has injured a man, so it shall be inflicted on him. Thus the one who kills an animal shall make it good, but the one who kills a man shall be put to death. There shall be one standard for you. It shall be for the strangers as well as the native, for I am the Lord your God. You see that? Then in 23, then Moses spoke to the sons of Israel, and they brought the one who had cursed outside the camp and stoned him with stones. Thus the sons of Israel did, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. Capital punishment is legal according to the Word of God. This, this is the thing a lot of people don't like, and this is what we're going to get into next week. Um, the rulers that rule over us, Romans 13, um, it talks about these things. They were put in place for the good of the believer. Even the most evil, crookedest, like all of Washington, crooked, horrible people, all right? But they were placed there to govern so that you and I would have, there would be laws, and there would be all these people that are imprisoned, and there would be people that are put to death. But that's not our job. That's the governing body's job. Just like in the day it was the judge's job to decide, we cannot take the law into our own hands. The Bible does not allow for that. This eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth, that was before the council, then that was before judges, and now it's in our court system. We don't get to just kill people just because they make us mad, because that's murder. Big difference. Deuteronomy chapter 19. Judges shall investigate thoroughly. Notice that word, judges shall. 19 and 15. Excuse me. 19 and 15, a single witness shall not rise up against a man on account of an iniquity or any sin which he has committed. On the evidence of two or three witnesses, a matter shall be confirmed. So that means you can't take it in your own hands. Again, if a malicious witness rises up against a man to accuse him of wrongdoing, then both the men who have the dispute shall stand before the Lord, before the priest and the judges who will be in the office of those days. Who, who is it? It's whoever's in the office that governs over the people. That's who decides these things, not you and I. Not you and I. Charlie Daniels is wrong. I don't get to shoot somebody and kill them just because they make me mad. Now that, And that's what happens, and that's why we have a world this, the way it is. People take it into their own hands. 
We never we were never allowed that ever. Proverbs twenty four. Do not repay others who commit evil works. Twenty four twenty eight through twenty nine says, Do not be a witness against your neighbor without cause, and do not deceive with your lips. Do not say, Thus I shall do to him as he has done to me. I will render to the man according to his work. This is the crazy part. What what is a wage? Like if I say you your wages, that's what you get paid. The wages of sinfulness is death. How do you? What do you do with the wage? You earn it. If you go to hell, you earned it. That sounds horrible, and it sounds mean, but that's the reality. It says the wages of that is death, so that means you earned that. Whatever you do, same as with here. At the very end of our life, the Lord's going to look over our life, and He's either going to say, Depart from me, for I never knew you, or He's going to say, Enter in, my good and faithful servant. And you know what's sad about that is? You have a lot to do with that. Way more than people want to say. Is God sovereign? Yes. Whatever God wills is what's going to happen. This is a reality that a lot of people don't like too. If you're meant to be saved, like literally, you're going to be saved. If God has foreordained before the foundations of the earth that you're going to be a part of the bride, I don't know exactly how that works. I know just recently we've seen people that died and the Lord gave them two or three days to get their life right. Now, they lived all the rest of their life horribly, but that's the greatest thing about the Lord that we serve. But here's the other part. That doesn't mean everybody's going to get afforded that opportunity. And that's, that's why we're supposed to live a godly life every single day of our life. So, the next part. 39 through 41 is, is one piece. So it says, But I say to you, do not resist the evil person, but whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. If anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, let him have your coat also. So whoever forces you to go one mile, go with him too. All right, so let's look at the very first part, 39. But I say to you, do not resist an evil person, but whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. This is talking about spiritual. Everybody here has been heard in church before. There are some of the most evil people you'll ever meet in your life go to church every Sunday. That's just a reality. Some of them go to this church. Some of them go to that church. Some of them go to... Everybody that's in this church is not saved. Everybody in this church is not doing what they're supposed to. In front of you they do, but they're a hypocrite because that's just the world. It's unfortunate, but it's the truth. So, But I say to you, do not resist an evil person when they talk about you, when they slander you, when they do those things. I don't have, I don't have the right to go back at a person. Now, this is the thing that we have to understand in their time. He says, whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other. So which side of your body is this? All right, so if I slap you in the face, I can't, I, how did you slap a person? Yeah. So whenever I slap that person, I slap them on the left-hand side with my right hand. You were not allowed, you were not allowed to slap somebody with your left hand. Why? Let your left hand in old, even now, I'm it doesn't matter. Even now, you wouldn't have been left-handed. You would have been right-handed because that's what they would have taught you. Your left hand was your filthy hand. They still do it overseas. They wipe their hind end with their hand. They don't have toilet paper. So that's what they would do. Matter of fact, to be kosher, to be right, your hand could never, your left hand could never come above your waist when you were talking to someone. You can never touch somebody with your left hand. So if I'm standing before someone and they slap me, with the right hand on the left hand side of my face, and I turn the other cheek, 
The only way they can slap me right, they have to use this left hand. Because you can't slap a man with the back of your hand. You have to punch him. And this also, if you want to look into it, it's also talking about it's a hierarchy. This is the way, unfortunately, that's how you were to discipline people that were lesser than you. I could slap you on your face, right? But if I punched another human being, then that meant that you and I were on the same level. So if I reached, if, if I punched a slave in the face, it made me look bad because I just re elevated him to a status that's equal with me. But instead, I slap him in the face because that's what well, we see that in, in the Westerns and stuff, right? Or people, they slap them with a glove or that's old. That, that happened long, long ago. And it's just come on down throughout through the generations. But that's why. So you would never touch somebody or hit somebody with this hand. So just imagine this. People are standing around. You chastise the person with this one. Turn the other cheek. Hit me on this one. They can't. It's not possible. Because they can't hit you with this hand, and if they punch you, then they elevate you. So, but it's the same way in the spirit, which is where we're supposed to be. If they, because they're going to talk bad about you, just lend them the other ear and let them talk in that one. It's not going to hurt you. But I say this a lot: we're we're not dead most of the time. Most mornings when I wake up and I go about my life, I'm still alive in that, and that's why I get my feelings hurt. It's very easy to get your feelings hurt. And then nothing nothing good comes out of that ever, not ever. So Romans 12, 14 through 20, if you would, we'll read that. Romans 12, 15 through 20. Overcome evil with good. This is a very hard one, I'm not going to lie, because nobody wants to do that. Nobody. Because if that person deserves it, then they deserve it. And you just want to give it to them with both barrels, as they say. So starting in 14, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men, if possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him, and if he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And that's really hard. That's, Levi experiences that a lot in the prison system. You, you, some of you experience that in the jobs that you have or with people, and it sounds counterproductive, but it's not. If you read and understand what he's saying, whenever he says, "Beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written." If you take out your own vengeance, then it's done. There is absolutely nothing that I can do to another human being that God can't do infinitely better. I, I, there's people sometimes I would like to punch in the face, right? That's just that's just to be honest. But I don't because it's super wrong. I shouldn't do that. But I can tell you one thing. The Lord gets a hold of people in a way that I never could, ever could. Yet again, what it's trying to say there is we are not allowed to take out our own vengeance because the Lord is the one that, that is vindicates us. And when he does it, my goodness, he does it to the fullest and it's done the right way. So we don't have anything to worry about. And the second part in 39, whenever he says, and if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, let him have your coat also. 
back in back in the Bible days, we don't we don't live that way like they did. But you had a your tunic was your shirt or whatever you wore, like your garment. Most of them had that. It was but your cloak was like a heavy jacket that you wore over everything else because they lived in a desert climate. During the daytime, it might be in the might be a hundred degrees, but at nighttime, it might be fifty. So, just to explain what Jesus is saying. He's saying if they sue you in the court of law for your tunic, give them your cloak also. So don't just give them what they're asking for. Give them even more. And you, you wonder why, is, why does that make a big deal? In Exodus, we're looking at Exodus and Deuteronomy. But in Exodus chapter 26, it, it begins, I'm sorry, 22. Look at the, Exodus 22, we're going to see why that is such a big deal. There's, there was a law. There's a law written that says that that cloak, no one could keep it. They could not keep it from you because it was that important. It was important for your, your survival. They call these sundry, sundry laws. But starting in 26, it says, If you ever take your neighbor's cloak as a pledge, you are to return it to him before the sun sets, for that is his only covering. It is his cloak for his body. What else shall he sleep in? And it shall come about that when he cries out to me, I will hear him, for I am gracious. Even if you gave someone a pledge would basically mean this. I showed up at their house and I needed something. And I said, hey, I'm, I need to borrow $50. And then I would take and give them my cloak and they would hold it. Some places like now, if you do something, they'll say, give me your driver's license. And then when you come back with whatever it is, they give you your driver because you have to have it. But the cloak was the same way, and it was so important that there's there's a law about it, and the law says you can't keep it. Even if they come back and they show back up and they don't have your 50 bucks, it doesn't matter. Your word is supposed to be your word, but who's going to vindicate that person? The Lord will. It's not your job. In Deuteronomy 24, 10 through 13, we're going to see the same thing. And the only reason that I bring this up is because you can't refute it. Everything that we've read this morning was straight, it was forward, and it's true. 24, 10 through 13, again, when you make your neighbor alone of any sort, you shall not enter his house to take his pledge. Now his pledge is his what? It's his, it's his cloak. You shall remain outside and the man to whom you make the loan shall bring the pledge out to you. If he is a poor man, you shall not sleep with his pledge. When the sun goes down, you shall surely return the pledge to him that he may sleep in his cloak and bless you and it will be righteous for you before the Lord your God. The, your cloak was something that was so important that you could use it as a pledge. Like I say, the only thing I could think of now would be your driver's license or a credit card or whatever. You give someone something that's of importance so they know 100% that you're going to come back and get it and give them what you owe them. But Jesus is saying this, and that's the hard part for us. And we're, we're not talking about physical. We're talking about spiritual now. He says if they ask of you for what the law says they can get, sue you for this, go ahead and give them your cloak anyway. Over and above. That's what all this is about if you look at it. It's more It's more than. But just like an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, the only reason that was put there was, was just like for the, the use of force continuum. You couldn't do anything worse. It established a, high, a, a, a place where it was what it was for what it was. You couldn't do more. Because what's the one thing that we can do is we can make things a lot worse. We escalate things a lot. It's just like at work. With the kids, I can escalate a situation to where me and that kid can get into a fist fight, but I don't 
because it's not going to do me any good and it stops me from doing what I'm supposed to. And I've seen it whenever it goes terribly wrong. And that's never good. It's not good for me, the kids that are in the room, or especially the kid that the cops come and arrest out of a classroom. But that's the reality that we face with some people. Some people, you cannot live peaceably with them, guys. It's just impossible. That's what that Israel and Palestine right now is. They will never, and here's the thing, they will never live peaceably together, ever, ever, ever. Because that is so old. That, that is so old that we don't have laws today. Our laws don't understand the law of God and the truths of God and what God said. They're going to fight until this thing is over. That's, that's exactly what the Word says. One will fight the other until it's, it's finished. It says when there's peace in Israel, that's when we're supposed to be worried. It's not whenever there's war. War, Jesus says that in, in Matthew. You're going to hear wars and rumors of wars, and there's going to be volcanoes and earthquakes and all kinds of terrible things. That's what's happening. But then all that stuff's going to stop. And whenever all that stuff stops, that's when we're supposed to worry. Because, oh my goodness, like everything is quit. Why, why is there peace? Why is everything? Because what calm comes before the storm, that's kind of where we get those phrases like that. You, you see the wind lay and it's been blowing and it lays and you know something's coming, you, you might want to get somewhere safe because it, the storm is coming. So the last one, Matthew 5 and 42, Deuteronomy 15, I'm going to go there and then I'll go back. But Deuteronomy 15, 7 through 11, I'll read it first. <clears throat> 15 and 7. If there is a poor man with you, one of your brothers, in any of your towns, in your land, which the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not harden your heart nor close your hand to your poor brother. But you shall freely open your hand to him and shall generously lend him sufficient for his need in whatever he lacks. Beware that there is no base thought in your heart, saying the seventh year, the year of remission is near, and your eyes hostile towards your poor brother, and you give him nothing. Then he may cry to the Lord against you, and it will be a sin in you. You shall generously give to him, and your heart shall not be grieved when you give to him, because for this thing the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in all your undertakings. This is a, this is a disturbing one, but it's just the reality. For the poor will never cease to be in the land. Therefore I command you, saying, You shall freely open your hand to your brother, to your needy and poor in your land. That's why here we have a certain amount of money set aside every single month to help needy families. And there's months that we go over that because it doesn't matter. If someone comes to you and they have a legitimate need, you need to meet it. Or you're not a Christian. Now, I didn't. It, let's go back to that. We're going back to the top and we're looking at things in light of what the Word says. That doesn't mean that the person comes and to you every single time, but they won't do anything to help themselves. They won't buy. They won't go to town and buy food. They won't get a job. They, they just expect you to bring things to them. That's not reality. That's not what the Word says. It actually says if a man don't work, he shouldn't eat. Right? So, and give generously and not begrudgedly. That's another thing. That's the same way with tithing or giving to another human being. You give generously. The New Testament does not have a percentage. The Old Testament said to give 10%. The New Testament doesn't say that. You would hope that 10% would be what you give because the Ten Commandments are still the Ten Commandments and a lot of the old, but that was law. That was not. The Word now says that you're supposed to give generously, abundantly, from, your, from a place in your heart where you want to give, not begrudgedly, which is a problem. And that's with a lot of people. They write that check out or they 
pull that money out, but they don't do it with a with a heart that's set towards the Lord. They're mad about having to give. Well, I could have went, I could take all the money I get every year and I could go on three vacations. You, you probably could if you're tithing right and you make good money. But guess what? That's not the reality. That's not the way that this thing works. The same goes here. If you're doing something for someone else and you're doing it for a show, that's like you, the word actually says, don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing, vice versa. So if I am helping a family or I am helping a person, I don't announce that. I don't make sure that whenever I do it, there's people around to see it because I'm not doing it. It's, that's, not, that's not doing it in the right spirit. And there's a lot of people that do that. There's people on YouTube that I see and they go around filming and they just handing out money to people and their, their Christian ministry. But all they're doing is they're doing it for clicks and they're doing it for show. It's not as meaningful as you. if you really want to help someone, just go help them. You don't have to put it on social media. That's not the way this is supposed to be. We're supposed to do things in secret. So I'm going to go back to that in Matthew because there, I've, I say this a lot, but there's so much to this if you study the history of it, but I'm not going to go into all the history of it because not everybody enjoys history. But starting again in 38, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. We all understand this morning now, that is not true. I do not have the right to take out vengeance on another human being without what? Without the law. Now, there's a difference. If someone breaks into my house and, and they have a gun, I'm not just supposed to go sit down on the couch and let them kill my family and kill me. That's not reality. He didn't say that. Did it say that? It did not say that. That's why we go back to the top. You will be persecuted. Okay, and then after that it says, if it's possible, be at peace with everybody. Well, you can't be at peace with everybody. If you allow someone to kill you with the exception of martyrdom, that's a suicide. You just committed suicide. People do it every day. They commit suicide by cop. They are too, They can't kill themselves, so they force, an, they force a cop to kill them, which is really sad for the cop especially. So you're going to be persecuted. Do we have the right to defend ourselves? Most certainly. And we'll get into that a little bit more next week. But we don't have the right to murder someone. There's a difference whenever I fight someone for the right reason or someone opposes me and I do it in the right way. And then there's a wrong way to do it. And that's considered murder. 39, but I say to you, do not resist an evil person, but whoever slaps you on the right cheek... Turn the other to him also. We're not thinking so much about being punched. We're thinking about spiritual. When someone talks about you, just let them talk. Let them talk about you. It's not going to change anything. You getting mad is only going to make them look more right. It's going to vindicate them. They're going to be like, see, I told you. I told you that they were that way. But 40, if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, let him have your coat also. That's a crazy thought. He's saying... You need to trust me. I'm, I'm the Lord. You need to trust me. Give everything away. Then we go into 41. Whoever forces you to go one mile, go with him too. Y'all know the story. Back in the day, Roman soldiers could compel any citizen to carry their stuff for one mile, which is really crazy. So any Roman soldier that's walking through, when they're marching through a town, if they see anybody, they made Simon of Cyrene carry the cross, did they not? You see what I'm saying? So, okay, they can make you do that. What they're trying to say here is don't just do the do the first mile, but also do an extra one. What is that? What does that look like to someone looking from the outside? It looks like that individual is especially if you're doing it, but don't do it begrudgingly, because if you do it begrudgingly, then it doesn't even matter. You didn't do it for the right reason. 
But once they've compelled you to do that, continue to carry it for another mile. He's saying, I need you to do above and beyond what's normal. Then the last part, go give to him who asks of you and do not turn away from him who wants to borrow from you. This is especially with people who don't have anything to eat. That's one of those things that I just, it's horrible. It's horrible to think that there's, there's like one out of four. I saw this on the news just this week. One out of four children in Rapids Parish don't get to eat whenever they go home. They eat breakfast and lunch at school, but one in four of them go hungry at least five nights a week. Well, that's horrible. How is that even how is that possible with 17,000 churches in Rapids Parish? How is it possible that a kid doesn't have food? But here's the thing is, it's the, it's the whole the whole thing about evil. The government is evil. The people over us are evil. They care more about an immigrant that's coming from a country far, far away than they do about a person right down the road who doesn't have food or who is homeless or who has absolutely nothing. That, that makes zero sense. The Word tells us that we're supposed to do good to all men, but especially those of the household of faith. Those people who don't do good to the people within the church, that's horrible. The Lord just said if somebody has a real need, we're supposed to help them. If someone comes to you and tells you they're hungry and they don't have their electricity got cut off and you say, okay, have a good day, you did not help that individual. At the same time, if someone comes to you as we've had here before and you pay an electric bill and you pay an electric bill, eventually you can't pay everybody's electric bill every month. You have to do for yourself. And that's what he's trying to say right here. But that's the problem is, is distinguishing between what's good and what's evil. Most people, they... They call themselves a Christian. They have the moniker of being a Christian, but they really don't have discernment. And if you don't have discernment, all of the rest of this, what we're studying, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to you because it's understood through the Spirit of God, not not just, however, through the flesh, let's say. If you would, Father, we thank you for this time, Lord. Thank you for your word that it's always yes and amen. We ask that you be with us for the remainder of the day. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.